Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. I'm going to hop on here and talk a little bit about Kentucky and Alabama. And I'm also going to answer some of the mailbag questions that were sent in throughout the week. I, I doubt that I'll be able to get to all of them, uh, but I will get to as many as I can. And then I promise Derek and I will be together uh, for a mailbag episode post Alabama going into to the week to start to start next week. And uh, then we're going to have a post game show coming your way as well uh, to talk about Kentucky, Alabama, but Kentucky on the road at Alabama, a place that they haven't won since 2017. I know they lost there last year, 70 to 59. And I believe 77, 75, the Tyler hero year. I know hero missed a shot at the buzzer that would have won the game for Kentucky. So it's a place Kentucky hasn't won, won in a few years would be a huge road win for John Calipari's team tonight, a team that as entering Saturday, they sit number seven overall in projections in Joe Lenardi's NCAA tournament field. That's good enough for a number two seed. Uh, the one seeds as of right now are Auburn, Gonzaga, Baylor, and Purdue. So Kentucky has a shot, in my opinion, uh, to make a push at a one seed, but it has to start with getting a win in Tuscaloosa on Saturday. And now this is an Alabama team that has one of the most confusing resumes that you will find around college basketball. And you're talking wins versus Gonzaga. You're talking wins versus Houston. Uh, win versus uh, Baylor last week at home in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. But you also have losses to Missouri. You have losses to Georgia. Uh, you have a loss to Memphis, a team that's been just uh, a big-time disappointment this year. So uh, Alabama is a team that's 14-8 and eight overall. They're right outside, I think, a four seed in Lenardi's projections. I think he has them as a five last time I looked. So this is a big game for them. They have three quad one opportunities remaining the rest of the way, two of those against Kentucky. Meanwhile, Kentucky has six quad one opportunities, both of two of those against Alabama, uh, but six of nine, six quad one opportunities. Uh, Kentucky has a chance to strengthen that resume and build an even more impressive resume before Selection Sunday. And if they do that, Kentucky can put itself in position to get a one seed if they close strong. Auburn did survive versus Georgia this afternoon at Georgia. Uh, I thought there was a controversial no call there late in the game that should have been an offensive foul on Auburn, in my opinion, that would have uh, given Georgia the ball back there with a chance to win the game. Uh, but let's talk about Alabama. I was talking about that resume. We're talking wins against Gonzaga, Houston, Tennessee, LSU, and Baylor. And then you look and they have losses to Iona, Memphis, Davidson, Missouri, got beat by Auburn twice. They lost at Mississippi State, and then they lost at Georgia. So it's been a team that when they're hitting the three, when they're shooting it and making it, they're very good. When they're shooting a lot of, a lot of threes and not making them, not so good. Uh, so this feels like a game where if Kentucky can limit them to about anywhere between eight, I'll even extend it up to 11 makes. Eight to 11, I think Kentucky wins this game. Anything in that 12 to 15 range, starting to get a little bit in trouble. Uh, Alabama's going to look to run with Kentucky. I think that that bodes well for the Cats. Kentucky likes to get out and run. Talking about a team that shoots a lot of threes, a couple of things here. The best time to shoot a three is off an offensive rebound or in transition. Well, when you got Oscar Shibway, he's going to limit some of those second-chance opportunities for Alabama, some of those scrambling uh, possessions in the half court where they get some offensive rebounds and, and looks from three. And then Kentucky, I think, is going to uh, make an effort to be very good in transition defense tonight and limit Alabama there. But some of those threes that Alabama misses, Kentucky's guards have to rebound in this game. And if they rebound, they can get out and lead the break and go, and Kentucky's going to have a, a really good night offensively. Uh, so that's just a couple of things there. 
with Alabama. I know, like I said, they, they like to take the three. They're not making as many as they have in the past. I think they're connecting on 31.4%, which is 11th in the SEC and 290th in the country. On the flip side of this, Kentucky's making 35.3%, which ranks first in the SEC and 100th in college basketball. So uh, you're, you're looking at some games where when, when Alabama loses, like the game at Georgia, uh, they shot nine of 34 from three. So they took a lot, but they didn't make a high clip. So 26.5% that night. Uh, so that that could be a recipe to win. Let Alabama take them, but you just can't have them go hot and take 14 and make 14, 15, 16 threes on you. If you do, uh, you're in trouble. Obviously, everything starts with Jaden Shackelford and J- Javon Quinterly. Those are two guys Kentucky's got to pay, pay attention to. I know Shackelford, 17.6 points per game. Uh, I know Quinterly. Solid player there as well. I know some of their three-point woes. I know he's not shooting the ball very well from three-point range. They're they're led in rebounding by Keon Ellis, a guard at 6.2 rebounds per game. That's where I'm coming from, that Kentucky's guards have to rebound, limit some of those scramble plays in the half court where Alabama can get another look at a three. And then, obviously, Oscar Shibway, if he can stay out of foul trouble, stay on the floor, he could be in for a very big night. This is the third straight game versus top five competition for Alabama. So it started with Baylor last Saturday. They lost to Auburn on uh, earlier in the week, and then they'll have Kentucky today. That's a lot. That's a tall task to get your mind right, get your legs ready, everything for three straight top five games. I think this could be a game where you see Alabama maybe wear down in the second half. Some of that grind that they've been on in recent games could pay off and, and go in Kentucky's favor if Kentucky can kind of keep it there. And this is going to be a game of runs. Alabama's going to go on a run. Kentucky's going to go on a run. If Kentucky can hang around there in that, 12 to 13 minute range of the second half and then kind of deliver a knockout punch. You could see that grind that Alabama has been through in recent weeks, kind of start to affect them a little bit and Kentucky kind of uh, get out and run. And, uh, and if they can stay out of foul trouble, I do think this is a game that Kentucky can win by 10 points on the road, Alabama. And if they do so, it's another quad one victory, a resume right now that doesn't have a bad loss on it. That's a very important thing going into selection Sunday, the Notre Dame game, still sits as a quad one loss. That means all four defeats have been in the quad one category. That's what makes the resume so impressive. If you can go through this college basketball season, I was just talking to you about Auburn uh, a minute ago where they struggled with Georgia. They, they got a win. Georgia did beat Alabama. Missouri beat Alabama. You, you've seen these teams in this league beat some of the better teams. If Kentucky can go through the league, and not have one of those losses in a year where the league is really good, I think it makes them even more impressive on Selection Sunday. And then you look up and they might have eight to nine quad one victories, six quad one games remaining. They're four and four in quad one games. That resume could look very, very good here in a few weeks. But I'm going to dump, jump into the mailbag here and, and answer a few questions. Let me pull up the tweet. I apologize that I'm not going to be able to get to all of them, but I hope that I answer something that maybe even if you didn't ask that you're wanting to hear answered as well. Uh, I'll do the best I can. Um, if you send in three or four, I'll pick one and answer it. Uh, right here, Kyle says, Keon seems to be finding a bit of a groove lately. The Kansas game was something of a breakout. Keon operates well from the mid-range. Do you think the staff is telling him to drive less and exploit the mid-range more often? I think that Keon's thing is what Cal said uh, last week, where if you noticed his shot chart breakdown at Kansas, uh, no three-pointers there. All of it was in the mid-range, and I think that Keon has kind of identified what he's best at, and now it's best suited to play along with this roster. you got wings that can shoot the basketball. you got a point guard that can get downhill. you got a five that eats up the glass and 
and can do some things in the post. He can step out and hit a mid-range jumper as well. I, I think you're seeing Keon on tape see the best version of himself, and I think that's why you're seeing this kind of breakthrough the last couple of games. It'd be huge if he could go have another double-figure game tonight. I'm not talking 20 points, but if he can get 10 to 13 points a game and then be an efficient scorer when he takes shot attempts, he'd knock down that mid-range jumper, stretch you out a little bit at that fourth spot, I think that uh, that could be a very good thing for Kentucky. I'm um, going through here. Mm, Brandon Henry, do you believe there's a chance we see Oscar return to UK next season? And if so, how does that affect how we use the transfer portal this offseason? Would you go for a true five-man or would you try to find a stretch four? Well, as you, as you look, Oscar, probably leading contender for national player of the year. I think he certainly is for SEC player of the year, but then you don't see him showing up on draft boards. I think Oscar Sheboy is an NBA player, uh, but if he goes throughout the season and projections aren't there, I really don't know what that would mean for him next year. Because if you have a player of the year top effort here, and it's good enough to not get you in certain draft board scenarios, then I don't really know what that means for another year coming back. How much better could you get? Like, what else do you have to do? You just had a player of the year top season, and you're not good enough to go first round or maybe not even good enough to go early second round. Oscar feels like a guy that those NBA workouts where they fall in love with, or if Kentucky goes on a run in March, that I think you could kind of see that trend. Uh, not really sure, but I would love to see Oscar on next year's team. If he does come back, I, I do think that the transfer portal needs kind of change depending on what happens with Damian Collins. If he's on your roster next year, you like to see that development there. You, you think Lance Ware is going to be a long-term guy. Uh, I could see maybe just looking at this thing in the spring and saying, all right, well, who is left? Where is their position of need? And then that's where you go get your portal piece uh, to piece around for the rest of the year. Uh, obviously, SBD asked the same thing about latest thoughts about the five position for next year, portal rumors, Oscars options. I think we're still a ways away from kind of identifying what's going to happen, uh, you know, with Oscar Shibway. I don't think it's going to be a reclass option. I think that Cal is going to fall in love with the instant impact via the transfer portal, and I think that's the best thing. If you're needing something for your roster to start kind of moving the needle for you in the current situation, I don't think you go reclass. I don't even think you go high school unless it's a top five, top ten piece. Well, we all know that that's not there, so I do think it's going to be the portal for them if they add a piece to next year's roster. Uh, Greg says, from what we've seen, what do Damian and Bryce need to work on to be major contributors next season, any chance they transfer? And, I mean, I know that there's been some rumblings about Bryce Hopkins uh, possibly being a transfer option at the end of the year. I, I know that that stuff, it's no secret that that stuff's been circulating out there for a bit. But I felt like going into the year that those two were in a situation different than a lot of freshmen have been coming into Kentucky. If you all remember on this podcast, I predicted that Damian probably wouldn't play that much. Uh, this year I, I wasn't really sure on Bryce I know we heard a lot of positive noise on Bryce throughout the summer offseason into the fall but the thing that I, I think we can all say a lot of times when you hear that type of noise about a player I, it never really tends to work out and them actually be in a factor in into that main rotation I mean maybe it has a couple of times uh, but it always feels like when we hear about a guy it's kind of like, okay, he surprised us, but is he good enough to actually get minutes and, and play extended minutes when the season starts? And I think Bryce has kind of been uh, pigeonholed into that spot. And honestly, I, I just don't know. I think Bryce is more of a four. I know Cal's played him some at the three this year, and I don't think that that really suits him best. I'd like to see him come back next year, 
play that four role is, is Keon Brooks on this roster next year. I would say that Keon probably sees everything at the end of the year and tries a professional option, whether that be the NBA, uh, overseas, G League, whatever it is. I, I just think that that you're going to see him possibly uh, leave the program regardless of how this thing ends. And, and, I mean, he's put three years in. I'd love to see Bryce Hopkins on this roster next year. Same thing for Damian Collins as well. But as far as improvement, Damian just has to get stronger, build that confidence, uh, build that offensive game. And then for Bryce, I think it is settling in, uh, maybe, you know, perfecting that that three-point shot a little more, adding that to, to his weapons, uh, doing some things in the post, uh, making better decisions, continue working on his ball handling, and just getting an overall feel for the collegiate game. A, a big offseason for those two in, in the weight room and in the gym, putting up work, changing bodies, things like that, I think could go a, a really – a very long way for them going into next year. And I'd, I'd hope we see both of them on that roster. Uh, Gary says, I feel like Kellen Grady is a lot like Duncan Robinson. Why doesn't Cal run any flare screens or dribble handoffs to get Grady more open looks? His shot is so money. They should have a few early shot clock options to get him open. Looks especially with Oscar available to rebound. I agree with that. I'd like to see them get some looks early in possessions for Grady. And, and you're starting to see it, though, especially in the Kansas game. These guards are starting to look for him in transition. But the thing with Grady is his his shots. He, he seems to be getting that high-volume number of three-point attempts. It's always consistently in that 7-10 to 10 range but none of them feel forced. It's almost like that they don't actually run a ton of stuff for him. I know they go to their floppy action for him at times, and, and that's not really forced either because that's kind of playing off what the defense is giving you. If, if they overplay Grady and stretch you out, you got to slip off one of those screens or Grady can kind of uh, come off one of those screens and curl and get downhill, throw a lob, or maybe shoot that uh, little running floater that he has. So it, it's crazy how efficient he's been without them actually calling his number. I would like to see them in situations – maybe go to him at least two to three times a game. And I'm, I'm, I still think that number might be too low. But the way this team plays, it feels like that they're kind of playing off of one another. And there's not a whole lot of I'm calling this guy's number, I'm calling this guy's number at this point. It's kind of like we got four or five dudes out there that can kind of play off one another. And I think that's what's making Kentucky so hard to defend. Uh, but I agree. I, th I think Grady getting his number called two or three times a game mixed in with all the other ones that are in rhythm – uh, the way he's shooting the ball, whether it be from 10 feet or 23 feet, you have, you're very confident uh, that it can go in. Uh, here's another question from Brandon. If we win at Bama this Saturday and beat LSU at home, do you feel that we'll be enough to at least lock up a two seed in the tournament, regardless of what we do in Tampa, or could we drop one of those games and still win the SEC tournament and come out on the one C line? So my thought is this, entering Alabama's game tonight, if Kentucky can lose one game the rest of the way and win the SEC tournament, I do think that they're a one seed because then that would likely mean that they beat Auburn in the SEC tournament. But even more importantly, the SEC tournament's going to present – they have six quad one games remaining. The SEC tournament's going to probably present possibly three quad one games for you to win going into the NCAA tournament. At least two, that semifinal round and that final round, are going to beat a quad one opponent unless someone like a Georgia or Vandy or someone gets hot and kind of uh, runs throughout the league tournament with some upsets. Uh, but I think one loss the rest of the way, Kentucky would be a one seed. Two, depending on who they lose to, I just feel like anything beyond one, it, it kind of stretches you out because you've already got Gonzaga, who you know is going to be a one. I think Auburn is all but locked up a one seed. I know that they looked bad against Missouri and against Georgia. 
especially in the second half of those games. But it kind of feels like that they've done enough as long as those two teams don't fall apart. The, the one, Baylor, the way that they're trending, uh, Alabama beat them. If Kentucky can go get a win at Alabama, then that looks good on selection Sunday as well, depending on what happens between Baylor and Kansas. Uh, I think that's a team that you could see fall from that one line, Purdue there in the Big Ten. I think Kentucky could sneak in uh, to one of those final one seeds, but I think that they need to lose one the rest of the way and then win out and win that SEC tournament. I know historically that championship game on Sunday has not meant a lot when it comes to seeding. I know Kentucky's won that thing a few years and stayed right on the same seed line as they were when they went into it and had they lost it. Uh, but this feels like a year if the SEC is indeed the best league in college basketball, if it's Kentucky and Auburn playing on that final Sunday, probably a game the committee needs to pay attention to, but not for Auburn, but more so for Kentucky. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens over the course of the next five weeks or so heading into the SEC tournament. Let me see if there's anything else in the mailbag that stands out. Uh, Jonathan, what is causing Tata to struggle? Any long-term concern? I think a lot of it, Jonathan, is a little bit of rhythm coming off that angle injury at Auburn. Uh, we obviously, we don't know. I know he said yesterday's 100%, but uh, what was the pain tolerance and everything there at Kansas last week? I mean, you know, he rolled that thing pretty good seven days prior. But I think that him not forcing things uh, has been a big deal for me and kind of solidified how good he actually is and how good this team is when he's just out there and his presence is there. Uh, I think that this is a game tonight against Alabama – you could pick two or three guys to kind of go off for Kentucky. You you could easily pick Oscar Shibway, given that I think Alabama, every time that they lose, they've been out-rebounded. Well, Kentucky has shown the ability to kill teams on the glass, but at the same time, they've also shown that they can win a game where they got get out-rebounded. I know Vanderbilt out-rebounded on Wednesday night. Kentucky still won by seven points. So uh, Kentucky's shown that they can win, win being out-rebounded, or they can dominate you on the glass and win that way as well. Kellen Grady's a guy that you could pick for a, a big game, but I'm going to go Tata Washington. Uh, I said Oscar on sources say uh, could have a big game, and I think he will. But I think Tata is going to have a good game as well because that ankle injury at Auburn last week at Kansas, he didn't shoot the ball well, but he was had a really good impact uh, dishing out assists, not turning the ball over. Uh, same thing with Fandy and, and some things like that. I think this is going to be an offensive game where Tata goes and maybe gets 15 plus and kind of gets back some of that rhythm that, that he had before uh, the ankle injury. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Let me see here if there's anything else. I'm trying to see here. Nick says, do you think there's a situation where Cal would ever play Keon Brooks and Jacob Toppin together? Uh, it depends on what happens with those guards. I think as long as you're healthy with Mintz, Wheeler, Grady, and Washington, then I don't think so. 
But if uh, we've seen maybe if one of those guards is out with an injury or, or something happens throughout a game, then you probably have to steal a couple of minutes there with Toppin and Keon together, maybe sliding Keon to the three, letting Toppin play the four, or vice versa. Honestly, I, I think that that's one of the scenarios where you'd see it. Uh, but I think as long as those four guards are healthy, I don't think you'll be seeing many lineups that include uh, Keon Brooks and Jacob Toppin together. Uh, second take, why is Oscar not on any mock drafts? What more does he have to prove? Has the NBA really come to a place where they won't draft Oscar because he doesn't shoot threes? That's exactly what I was saying early in the, when I was answering the mailbag, begin uh, the mail, mailbag portion of this episode. Uh, is Oscar a player of the year candidate and you're not seeing him on any mock draft boards? Like that's that's the thing that I'm getting at. Like if he does come back next year, you know, what What does coming back do for your draft stock? If you're the player of the year in college basketball and you're not showing up, I'm not really sure what else you can do. That's where it feels like a the Kentucky effect will be what gets him drafted and gets him an opportunity. Uh, the, the Kentucky effect, as in they, they make a run in the NCAA tournament, Oscar's there, wins player of the year. He goes and he works out for NBA teams. John Calipari makes some phone calls. Oscar's an NBA player in my opinion, whether he takes a three or he doesn't take a three because he's going to be one of the better rebounders in the league. He can hit that mid-range jumper. You're seeing really improved footwork. You're seeing better pick-and-roll coverage defense. You're seeing him do a lot of things to expand his game and become a complete player. And uh, I think that Oscar is a guy that is good enough to play in the NBA. I'd love to see him at Kentucky next year, though, because if you add him to the pieces that they have, depending on what happens with Xavier Wheeler and some of these other guys, uh, you're talking about a team that should be right there uh, preseason top five if they get a lot of these dudes back. Uh, what's the latest on C.J. Frederick? I've seen some say that he could be back by the SEC tournament, but nothing official. If available at that time, would Cal even play him at that point? I'm going to say that we don't see C.J. this year. I know we've had a lot of talk about Shaden Sharp and whether or not he plays. If, uh, if Shaden's not ready, I, I don't see – CJ kind of being thrown out there as well. I think as long as Kentucky's healthy with those four guards, I think that the roster as it is is what we're going to see play out through the rest of the season, SEC tournament and NCAA tournament. Uh, another question here, do you see Grady, Mintz, or Wheeler having pro potential? I think Kellen Grady's an NBA player. Uh, you can't tell me that a guy that can shoot it at the clip that he shoots it at as uh, smart of a player that he is, I think that there's a role for him in the NBA as a three-point specialist, and I think that's what he's transformed into this year. A uh, more complete player at Davidson would do some stuff off the bounce, ran some, ran some point guard, but was that going to get him drafted? Probably not. But coming to Kentucky, being a three-point specialist in his loan season, the things that he's doing, I mean, he's, uh, he's going to be one of the better three-point shooters they've had in U.K. history, especially when it comes to makes, if he stays healthy the rest of the way. I think that gets drafted. As far as Mints, uh, I could see Mints. I think Mints more has more pro potential when it comes to overseas or maybe a G League opportunity here or there, not as much the NBA. And then with Wheeler, I mean, obviously his size limit limits him, and I don't, I don't really know about his NBA projections as well. But I, I do think out of those three, I think Kellen Grady is a for sure NBA talent because I think that there's a role for what he does in the NBA. Let me see here. Down two, 10 seconds left, NCAA tournament game. Draw up your play. That's from John. Hmm. With this team, obviously, if it's, if it's against man-to-man, I'd go pick and roll with Ty Ty Washington and uh, Oscar Shibway. 
and I'd have Kellen Grady on that far side, on that opposite side. I'd have as soon as Ty Ty goes off, I'd do a middle ball screen. Oscar requires so much attention. If they decide to double that thing, you got a, a, a guy on this roster that is really good at making decisions. If they help off and the taggers there, you got Kellen Grady lifting for a three to win the game. If not, you got Ty Ty getting off to that mid-range jumper. You got that pocket pass to Oscar Sheboya. That that would be what I would go to uh, if 10 seconds left down to be some middle pick and roll, get Ty Ty downhill, maybe get a switch, a couple of things there. Um, see if there's anything else. Another question about do I think Grady and Sheboy get drafted maybe to go sign a two-way? I, I do think that, like I said, both of those two dudes are NBA players whether that means they get drafted or they signed a two-way deal. Uh, I think that they're both there. I, I want to see how the mock drafts update as you go throughout February. Now that Kentucky's playing really good basketball, on national TV, to me, Oscar's done a lot to, to, to prove how much he has developed since he left West Virginia. And then Grady, like I said, perfecting that three-point stroke. I mean, that, that has been really impressive. And, and watch what he's done. Make sure uh, – Try not to miss anything that's easy to answer. And like I said, I apologize. I'll be sure that Derek and I get a full mailbag episode up. I'll put it up after the Alabama game, and we'll make sure that we're doing it on Monday. I'll get with Derek and, and get a time for him to do that, and then we'll have a post-game show uh, coming your way as well. Go Big Blue, 2455. Although it's early, which players could you see returning next season? I think that there's a path for Savir Wheeler to return. And, and I think that would be huge for next year's team. I know you got Scott Clark coming in that's, that's going to play some point for Kentucky. Uh, you're going to lose Mintz, obviously. Ty Washington's definitely, in my opinion, going to go to the NBA draft. So you're, you're talking point guard play. Does it, is it portal? Uh, you know, what, what does Shade Sharp do? I think Savir Wheeler, I think there's a path to play a lot of minutes on another really good Kentucky team next year, and uh, I think that that's appealing. NIL obviously is going to play a role in that. If he's making some money right now off NIL, I could see Savir uh, being a veteran guard on this roster next year, and I, I think out of some of the additions, I'd really like that because you'd have a veteran guard that knows college basketball, knows the SEC. If everything goes smoothly, you have a veteran guard that makes a deep run in the NCAA tournament, possibly gets to a Final Four, do they win a national championship? I see a role for Savir on this team next year. Then selfishly, if you ask me, I'd love to have Oscar Sheboy back. But if he's not able to benefit off of NIL and things like that, and if he's in position to to go get paid and be a productive player in the NBA, if he wins National Player of the Year and there's no kind of development when it comes to NBA mock draft stuff, uh, I think you kind of got to go get paid. But selfishly, I would love to see Oscar Sheboy uh, back next season. Then I think it kind of comes down to when you look at the four, I, I do think I'm not going to, I don't want to make the decision for him, but I could see Keon deciding to go professional route, regardless of what that is at the end of the year. I think Jacob Toppin comes back next year for sure. I think Lance Ware's back for sure next year. And then it comes down to, to those freshmen, uh, Bryce Hopkins, Damian Collins, you know, what do they decide to do? I think that there's a, a spot in this program for both of them moving forward. I'm, I'm really excited about Bryce Hopkins potential. If he buys into the program and decides to stay and come back, I love his skill set. I think he will eventually find his way. And then uh, Damian Collins, we knew it was more long-term potential than it was short-term potential. And then an off season in the weight room, a full year in the program. I think that he's a guy that, that could definitely do some things there, but it's all going to come down to 
his NBA decisions, who leaves, and then where does Kentucky go with the transfer portal? Like uh, how many guys does Cal go get? I think it's going to be portal guys for Kentucky moving forward when it comes to needing someone to add something to the roster to make an impact. If it's development long-term, it'll be high school route, possibly reclass. But if it's a need, I think John Calipari has to go to the portal every time because they've had so much success with it in this season. It's completely transformed the way that we talk about this basketball team. Uh, but hopefully I answered uh, plenty of your questions there for you. Mailbags on your own are never easy, but I thought basketball mailbag, that's my specialty. I can get on here, talk to you a little bit about what's going on with Kentucky basketball. Kentucky, Alabama tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. Kentucky with another quad one opportunity, sitting, I think, number four in Ken Palm going into the day. Uh, so one of the better teams in college basketball in a win versus Alabama. You thought the win at Kansas moved the needle if they follow it a second straight Saturday against an Alabama team, one of the, the craziest venues in college basketball, it's going to be rowdy tonight. If Kentucky looks impressive tonight, don't be surprised to see them uh, continue to trend up the polls and then Lenardi eventually possibly move them into that one seed line if someone slips up tonight. Is Kentucky right there to take it? You know, Duke and North Carolina playing. Uh, there's going to be a lot of movement in those seeds for the next couple of weeks, but Kentucky is in an excellent position. As always, this show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub, three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg, and London, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. 